Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Sun Solar Panel of Phoenix Sun Show. I'm Tim Tompkins. I'm Greg Esposito. Ahoy, hoy. And, and I am Dave King. And today on the show, we are going to recap the Sun's big win over the Heat, Javon Carter's sterling performance, the player of the game, Monty's three-guard lineups he's been trotting out recently. Uh, do the Suns control their own destiny after going 5-0 and in the bubble? Draymond Green's comments on Devin Booker and a look at the race for the play-in game. But first off, first off, I do want to start this off because our friends in Fanning the Flames just put up an excellent podcast episode i want you guys to go and listen to that uh dave have you had a chance to listen yet no i have not i uh just got the uh stuff to put up on Brightside though for a link and i haven't just haven't had a chance i was going to go on for on my hike a little bit later and i'll listen to it while i'm doing that they'll get me pumped up they're funny man really great episode like shout out to those guys for putting something so great together uh draymond green did have some comments recently on devin booker i'm sure that you guys heard slash saw those mr triple single yes draymond green the star supporter extraordinaire in golden state yep um it was funny because uh he was he was doing on the tnt uh, pre-game and, and mid-game and all that shows. And Charles Barkley has spent the last couple of years getting frustrated over Draymond Green because um, uh, for whatever reason, they've had this little beef going and now he's on the TNT set. And so Draymond was uh, was trying to show up Charles basically with his big takes and, and, and uh, giving him hell over Mr. Triple Single. So that is Draymond Green's new nickname. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. Um, maybe not to his face, but certainly uh, in his general vicinity. Um, he uh, went on NBA on TNT. He said, get my man out of Phoenix. Get Devin Booker onto a winning team so where he can win all the time. Well, you know what, Draymond? Devin Booker is the one who's 5-0 and in the bubble and on the verge of making the playoffs. Golden State. Your team is the one who's been home this whole freaking time, and that's why you're available to be on NBA on TNT because your team is not playing. When Draymond Green was finally given a chance to actually be the leader on a team, three-time All-Star, mind you, three-time All-Star, the dude hits triple singles and uh, doesn't lead his team anywhere. He's got basically Devin Booker's supporting cast this year for Devin Booker's first four years. Yes, the Suns did Devin Booker dirty the first four years of his career. They're doing him right now going forward. And Devin Booker is on a winning team already. 5-0 and in the bubble, half game out of ninth for that play-in spot, and breathing down everybody's necks. So, Draymond Green, you go on home. Well, you I, already are home, aren't you? 
<laughs> well, technically he's in Atlanta right now, but I get what you're being, Dave. No, look, man, at this Draymond Green drives me nuts. Uh, and I took a lot of heat for saying this on Twitter, but you know what? I'm going to say it here, looking right into the camera. Draymond Green is a wannabe Charles Barkley on and off the court, all right? Uh, he is has the same kind of skill set as Charles Barkley on the court with a much lesser uh, success rate from a stat perspective and a, a trophy perspective in terms of MVPs uh, in, in that way. Uh, and then off the court, now he's moving to TNT and inside the NBA and trying to uh, flame the hot takes like Charles Barkley does and failing miserably as well. Uh, I don't understand this whole, oh, get my boy out of, out of Phoenix thing. Is he not watching what's happening right now? Like, did Draymond just stop watching this season? Like, he kind of stopped playing well this season? And everybody will make the argument, oh, Draymond Green's got championships. Yeah, because he rode the coattails of Steph. KD and Clay to those championships. Sure. Did he do the little things? Did he help? Yes. But he was not the guy in any of those championships. So don't act like Draymond Green is the reason that the Warriors had trophies. Oh, and by the way, if if this logic that he has of, oh, get Devin Booker out of Phoenix, Steph Curry wouldn't be in, in Golden State. It took right. him four years to get in the playoffs when he was uh, uh when he was starting out his career with the warriors so let's not act like everything's been perfect in golden state you play for a franchise that was the laughing stock for a while uh, and then steph curry uh, finally made it connect it clicked for him and clay and and you and you wound up uh playing well and winning a title as a team and Devin Booker is going through that uh, that maturation process as well so I feel like it was just Draymond Green trying to spout a hot take to get under Charles Barkley's skin because he knew Charles Barkley once played in Phoenix yeah and uh, Charles has been crowing about the Suns he still calls them my sons after the Suns big win on Thursday um, Charles was crowing all over the NBA on TNT set so some of this was just Draymond going trying to get under Charles's skin. And some of it was Draymond trying to get under the sun skin. Cause if you remember, Dre is the one who um, Dre's the one who actually was, was saying the team was clueless and they didn't know what they were doing with Marquise Chris. Yeah. Marquise Chris as a teammate helped Dre win 15 games this year. So maybe it's possible Marquise Chris was not ruined by the sun. Although the Suns did not help him. Now let's, let's pull back the lens just a little bit. The Suns did not help all those young guys. And actually, Eric Spolstra was talked to, uh, was asked um, about the Suns uh, in the last day or so in, in advance of the Miami Heat game. Eric Spolstra is the head coach of the Heat. Um, Spolstra was asked, um, you know, did you see this coming from Devin Booker? This guy, this <sighs> Chris Mannix has been asking all these coaches about what the, did they really think Devin Booker was this good because he had a reputation of being just a scorer and uh, empty calories guy. And Eric Spolster is like, he's like, look, man, you just don't know anything about a guy um, on his. You can't judge him by his win totals when he's being surrounded by too many young guys because too many young guys can't win games. Too many fringe guys can't win games. You've got to get good players around a guy to know if he's a winner or not. Devin Booker has always been a winner. And this is Spolster saying Devin Booker, his work ethic, his effort, the way he plays, what he does on the court has always been a winning player. He just hasn't had a chance to win because he hasn't had the team around him. Now he does. And that was right before the Suns went out and beat the Heat at their own game, mind you. The Suns 
Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges uh, combined to go over. We will get to this Suns Heat game, guys. We're just going off Andre a little bit, and then this whole winning attitude thing. Um, Devin Booker and Mikel Bridges went over eleven on threes, and they still won by seven points over the Heat because they they busted their butts, got every loose ball, and we're going to talk about Javon Carter here in a minute as well. But to close out on Draymond Green. When he had the supporting cast that Devin Booker had, Mr. Three-Time All-Star, did zilch. You've got to have the good players around you. You can't judge a player based on his his results around a team like that. Well, unless Although act- I am judging Draymond Green, so well, ha. Let's not act like uh, Marquise Chris has turned into some... They're in, uh, in Golden State. He, he had uh, some uh, a few good games, some good run with the worst team in the Western Conference, which sounds awfully familiar to what he did in Phoenix, too. So if Dr- part of Draymond Green's beef is because he's become boys with Marquise Chris as well, uh, good on you, Draymond. I, I don't get it. But I, I think the Suns and Devin Booker are proving – uh, the Draymond doesn't really know what he's talking about with what they're doing in Orlando. So, all so, right, let's move on. Yeah, go yes, ahead. Tim. I was, uh, I was taking a look. I thought this was kind of interesting. I was taking a look at the overall standings, um, for the teams in the NBA right now. And the Suns actually have a better point differential than the four teams ahead of them in the standings, including Portland, Orlando, Memphis, and Brooklyn. They actually have a better point differential than, than all but one other team, I think, in the bubble. Uh, the Suns are playing pretty damn well. No, no, this is this is overall for the entire season. This isn't oh, just for the like entire season in, gotcha. in the gotcha. bubble. Gotcha. Yeah. So I thought that was worth noting. And then, uh, you know, so the, the Suns are now on this 5-0 and run. They don't quite control their own destiny. We're going to talk about that coming up. When the... Uh, NBA bubble first started, I think that their their chances of making the playoffs were like half of a percent. 538 updated that this morning, and they're now giving the Suns a 10% chance to make the playoffs. I don't know about you guys. I'm a bit surprised that it wasn't a little bit higher. It was only two yesterday before they won and, yeah. and Portland lost. So uh, The reason it's only... I'm sorry, Greg. No, go ahead. I shouldn't have, shouldn't, shouldn't have jumped in there. Go ahead, go ahead Dave. I was just going to say the reason it's only 10% is because all Memphis has to do is win one more game to clinch a play in the Suns could still pass them. Um, I, I think, but I guess, I, I don't know. The, the NBA communications just tweeted out today that the Memphis only has to win to get in. And I kind of thought um, if the Suns win out, they wouldn't. Have, oh yeah. Cause they would end up going two and six. That's well, why. And they own, and the right. Memphis owns the tiebreaker, yep. I believe. And, what, we'll talk and about that's that it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the sun's only being a 10% chance is because Memphis only needs one more win and Portland only needs two more wins, I believe. Uh, and then the suns are just out of luck. It'd be crazy. The suns go eight and no, and they still don't get that, that playing game. I mean, that is, uh, that would be frustrating. And let's let's be honest, too. A, a play-in game of the Phoenix Suns and the Portland Trailblazers would be so much better for the NBA uh, than yeah. any combination and the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. An eight and zero run, and then still not making it seems about the most two thousand or two thousand twenty thing, and the most Suns thing uh, we could possibly experience. <laughs> like, dude, uh, it just occurred to me we're we're in a ten year rut on the Suns not making the playoffs. This franchise doing a complete one eighty used to be the one of the classiest franchises in the league, one of the most respected franchises in the league. Fourth highest winning percentage in, in, in NBA history. 
um, after 42 seasons as a franchise, fourth highest in NBA history. Then over these last five years, it's like, wah, wah, wah. And they've been just terrible and awful. All it took was to hit the reset button on the entire earth. <laughs> Put us in quarantine for four months. It's like the Jurassic Park where they had, uh, 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 you know, and they had to completely restart the whole thing. We had to sacrifice a few people to the Raptors and everything, uh, the Raptors, um, and uh, just and totally just reboot the entire park. We are in Jurassic World right now, and the Suns are suddenly relevant again. Yeah, yeah well, and... And they could still wind up not making it, even if they go undefeated in this bubble. But you know what? It would be. But there was. But you know what? That's that's typical Suns not getting all the way. You know, <laughs> be really crazy, close, but not going all the way. You know, to be crazy is there's a situation where they could go eight and zero, make the play on play in game, not make the playoffs, and get the number one pick two weeks later in the draft lottery. Yeah, well, that's they, that's they, the insanity of all this and how weird. Oh, so we'd be you'd be the Pelicans. Is, you know? We'd be the Pelicans yeah. or the Grizzlies, basically. If you get into the top four after having a really big run at the end of the year and um, everybody's singing their praises. Yep. I'm yeah. okay with that. Uh, yeah. that Actually, you know, if, the, if there was a way that this was going to play out where they don't make the playoffs, that would be a spectacular way uh, to, to yeah. have that happen. I mean, to wind hey, but up either way, if they end up with the 10th pick, man, um, someone like a Cam Johnson will be there again, right? And James Jones is suddenly an incredible drafter, isn't he? Yeah, let's well, it's easy. Let's let's say this though: when you're drafting to fill out the back half of a roster, and you can pick guys with specific skills, it gets a lot easier than when you're trying to swing for the fences and find the guy that's going to change your franchise. Well, you know what? Well. You know what's also possible is that the Suns' coaching staff is just better at developing players. They definitely are developing you know. players. Everybody has improved one way or another throughout this season, or they're no longer in the rotation if they still need more time. I would venture to guess Ty Jerome's going to be better next year. Uh, no, we, can give up. we can give up on Ellie. No, but we can, we can. No, no, no let's not talk about Ty Jerome. Can't make it. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Let's, 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 let's talk, talk about, about this the team. player of the game. I think it's unanimous yes. between all of us. Um, as I was watching the game, I had been taking notes. I thought in the first half that it, it might be Cam Johnson. Devin Booker was having a really strong game. And then uh, all of a sudden, Javon Carter comes on. He had the best plus minus of any player on the game. He scored 20 points, which I believe was a season high for him. 70% shooting, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block in 26 minutes. And all of those stats, they're, they're, uh, impressive stats for for any player. They're impressive stats for Javon Carter, but really the impact that Javon Carter had on the game, a three-minute stretch in the fourth quarter, it just seemed like he was the absolute reason why the Suns won that game because Devin Booker needed some help and, and he stepped up. Who in the world would imagine that the backup point guard position would be the strength for the Phoenix Suns in the bubble? It's been yeah. uh, the the bane of their existence for most of this season and point guard in general for the last three or four. And then all of a sudden you get to Orlando, you find campaign and playing campaign and Javon Carter uh, it all of a sudden becomes the magic elixir for what you needed with that second unit. Uh, Payne has picked up the slack in, in multiple games. Javon Carter uh, Saturday against mm -hmm. the, the Heat winds up coming in and being the difference maker. Uh, I uh, 
Monty Williams has the magic touch right now when it, when it comes to that stuff. And Javon's in the perfect situation for him, right? Because now he doesn't have to be the primary backup ball handler when he comes in. That could be campaign. He can play good defense, pester guys, and hit open threes when he gets the opportunity. Uh, it, it's a perfect setup for Javon Carter, and I'm glad that they found a way to integrate him more because he always felt like the guy that was putting forth the most effort out there when it came to the backup point guards and backup uh, two guards. So I'm glad to see he's getting the opportunity now. Man, okay, I want to read this quote to you guys that he said in his post-game interview. Um, it was either, I don't know if it was on Fox Sports Arizona or if it was on the Zoom in the in the locker room, but um, he said, this is a perfect, explains exactly, exactly what Espo just said. Javon Carter, after this game, I hate when I'm sitting on the bench and I see our guys doing the NBA thing, being lax, trying to preserve their energy so they can go score. I try to tell our guys if we stay locked in on defense, good things are going to happen more often than not. The dude always busts his ass on defense nonstop. Sometimes he gets foul baited by some of the better point guards. He's been he's gotten a couple of times where he's gotten himself in trouble committing fouls by getting his trying to reach in and steal the ball. But man, he makes a huge difference and, and he disrupts people on the other end. He actually disrupted Bam Adebayo on a post game, on a, on a post up this game. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, Greg, you alluded to it, or maybe it was Tim, but um, him, he, he got himself blocked on one end. He, he ran down, he stole the ball from Bam Adebayo on Bam's own attempt at a fast break dunk, stole it right from him as Bam was going up, then dribbled all the way down and dished off a layup to DeAndre Aiden on the other end. And Eric Spolster after the game said that the Suns doing those kind of things is what won them the game. Um, and, and it's absolutely true. I stood up and clapped uh, on that play and yeah. I stood up and clapped once he stayed with Bam the entire way down uh, and stripped him of the ball before even going up the court and, and dishing to DeAndre Ayton. I thought that that was one of the best defensive plays uh, I've seen in a really long time from any player. And I think we need to credit, obviously, Monty, but Javon, to, to uh, his credit as well, yeah. has, has made this team a competent defensive team, which is something that we just have not seen him and Mikel Bridges uh, and really campaign have, too, and campaign as well. Yeah, campaigns. He, he has his troubles. He's a, a smaller player, but he's able to stay in front of guys, yeah. which is something that w the Suns haven't really been able to do a lot of times. Well, look that I mean, that yeah. sequence that you described was it was yeah. a difference maker in the fourth. It it, it mm -hmm. stemmed the tide there. It felt like Miami was about to go on a run uh, and shift things in that game. And Javon playing smart and not letting the fact that he committed a turnover uh, prevent him from uh, from getting back on defense, which a lot of times will happen, especially with the young team. They'll, they'll hang their head instead of getting back on D. He just hustled, got back on D, made that play, and, and it changed the, the complexion of everything. So I, I am impressed with Javon Carter. I think we forget how young that guy is because he looks like he's an old grizzled veteran and he's not, he's still one of the young guys <laughs> on this team. And yet he's doing the things that you would expect a five, 10 year veteran to come in and offer your team. And, and that's fantastic. And exactly what they need, especially in a situation like this. So let me go back to a very early comment on the, um, on the YouTube chat. Hey Duke asked, 
Do we wish that one day that every win was not a cause for celebration? My immediate reaction, hey Duke, is absolutely not. The worst you can get, the worst point you can get to as a fan base is when you're nitpicking wins over and over again and you're not enjoying wins. Enjoy this, you guys. Enjoy every minute of it. Enjoy the players of the game. Don't worry about the dudes that didn't show up. I've stopped yelling Frank at my TV all the time because I'm just waiting for the next shot, for the next person to to make a play for the for the Suns. We just need to enjoy this. The Suns are 5 and 0 in this bubble and they're this close, this close to controlling their destiny. They don't they don't control their destiny quite yet and Tim I think that's later in the show. Um so but they just enjoy all of this guys and Javon Carter is my player of the game absolutely. There yeah. was I think it was Greg that made the comment earlier about Javon Carter not needing to be the primary ball handler with campaign as as an addition and it reminded me of a, a tweet and I wish I could give the person credit I don't remember who said it but that Javon Carter has really locked himself up as the backup shooting guard. And Mm-hmm. If you think of Javon Carter as a combo guard, shooting guard, rather than that backup primary point guard, yeah. uh, I think it really helps shift the paradigm on what we consider his value moving forward. Because if his value moving forward is a <clears throat> great defensive guard who can hit open threes and also handle the ball a bit, I think he has a lot more value to the Suns team than as the primary backup point guard. Yeah, Monty even talked about it before the bubble started. Uh, we were we were asking him because obviously this entire season has been about who's your backup point guard. Can anybody hold the Suns' water while Ricky Rubio is resting? And it may seem like a distant memory because it kind of is. I mean, the world had to reboot um, over the last four months. You may not realize we're still in the 2019-20 season. Yeah. Uh, but the Suns have not had a competent backup point guard all year. Uh, in terms of their play. And Javon Carter was part of that problem because he was cast as a backup point guard and um, the Suns would not put another distributor uh, next to him all the time. So, but what Monty did coming into the bubble is he clearly said when I asked him about the backup point guard situation and I asked him to describe the strengths and weaknesses of each of his backup point guards, he clearly said that uh, Javon Carter in a very positive way, he didn't say he's not a backup point guard. What he said was, Javon Carter is our disruptor off the bench. He's our guy. He's our catalyst, our connector, our guy. Whatever words Monty uses that these guys actually love and resonate on, Javon Carter is just the motor off the bench. And uh, you just put him out there and good things happen. So I think you're right that they found, uh, you guys are right that they found the right role for Javon. And the right role is to put a distributor next to him. So what he's had in the bubble was campaign next to him or Devin Booker next to him. I don't know if he's played with Ricky much, uh, but it's mostly been campaign or Devin Booker next to him because um, that, that real, they really get after it. And Cam is campaign is just such a wonderful guy to listen to. I don't know what he's been like on his prior teams, but that dude is the most self-aware, humblest dude campaign is is so sure that this might be his last shot in the NBA and he's busting his ass every single play out there. And so that really fits next to Javon Carter, who also busts his ass every single play. They both see their career dissipation like going off like crazy in the corner of their eye. And they know that they, this is do or die and they're doing. Uh, I'm Dave, very proud you, of that. You mentioned that you weren't so sure about how many minutes that Carter has played with, with Ricky yeah. Rubio. 
Um, I, I, which I think is a really good segue to something I want to talk about, which is something we've seen over the last couple of games. And I, I don't believe it's it's really something we saw much of during the regular season, namely because the Phoenix Suns didn't have campaign. But Monty Williams has been running these three guard lineups with mm. Booker, Carter, Cam, and then another, which is Ricky Carter and, and, and Booker as well. And I do want to talk about, obviously, small sample size, only a few games. These lineups only get so many minutes together. Uh, but Ricky, Carter, and Booker on the court together so far has been a negative 5.9 points. However, Booker, Payne, and Carter in eight minutes has been a positive 27.8. I wish we had a larger sample size for this, but I do think it's interesting. Monty has been playing those three-guard lineups together, uh, and some have been more impactful than others, although I did actually like the Ricky Carter and, and Booker minutes. I'm a bit surprised to see that it was a negative 5.9 in 10 minutes, but pretty small sample size. Hey guys, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna dwell on Da very much in this in this one because you know I want to fo- I want us to focus on the guys who did very well and Da did not. But can we can we just not talk about replacing him with a draft pick this next year? He's he's twenty one years. He's barely turned twenty two. It's okay for the moment to be a little big for him right now. Um, and he didn't have a good game, but still put up 18 and 12 and, and made a big, def- a couple of big defensive plays and offensive plays at the end. And we'll, t- um, we'll talk about him coming up. We're going to talk about okay. all the players. I do want to talk but about I saw him. Steve Haller mentioned something right. about drafting a guy to replace him. And please let's not, let's just enjoy the win. The, I want to talk about another, a couple of other lineups that we've seen out of the sun. So the starting lineup in the bubble of Rubio, Booker, Bridges, Johnson, and Ayton. 75 minutes and have a positive net rating of 15.5 points. The second most used lineup, which is Rubio, Sharich, Carter, Aiton, and Johnson, that is a positive 14. Uh, much fewer minutes, only 13 minutes together. But those those two main lineups, uh, five-man lineups, the most used ones, are mm. incredibly successful here in the bubble. We're getting to see playoff Monty. Sorry, Greg, I keep jumping in because I'm just so excited this morning. I apologize, buddy. Um, but we're just seeing playoff Monty. And Monty, he spent all season tinkering with lineups, tinkering, 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 playing guys together. You're just like, really? Why is this guy playing? Um, and you get into this bubble. He's basically going eight man now because you're still down. Remember, this is a Suns team that's still down. Kelly Oubre Jr. and Aaron Baines, who basically between them started 90 games this year. Um, 88, something like that this year. He's doing that with a short bench, and uh, Frank only got four minutes. Good on Monty for finding the lineups that work and sticking with them. So I'm really proud of him. Um, the Suns have the fourth best lineup in the entire bubble um, as far as the uh, Rubio, Booker, Bridges, Aiton, and Cam Johnson, that plus 15.5 of lineups who've spent at least 50 minutes together. Um, there's only been a half a dozen lineups who played 50 minutes, 50 plus minutes together in the bubble after five games. Think about that. That's how that's how games go. You don't have five man lineups who spend tons of time together because of foul trouble, um, rest, and things like that. They just don't. Even starting lineups don't spend a ton of time. Five games, 50 plus minutes. There's only a half a dozen lineups in the whole NBA um, of the 22 teams who have spent more than 50 minutes together. The Suns are, are uh, second. No, I think they're, yeah, they're fourth. Um, and that's a plus 15.5. So I think that's that's incredible. And uh, uh, kudos to Monty for tightening that that uh, leash for these bubble games because this is their playoffs. Yeah, Monty obviously spent a lot of time during 
quarantine and, and the lead up to this these bubble games by really researching his own team, watching tape, trying to figure out what is the best position to put his guys in to succeed. And you see that with a lot of these lineups. And I give Monty credit for continuing to experiment, see if he can find something that will will spark a run in these games. It, it seems to all be working for Monty right now. Much many more hits than misses in terms of what's going on in the bubble, and he's been a massive difference maker for this franchise. We all knew that uh, it was imperative for this team to find a guy that wasn't a first time head coach that wasn't that you weren't getting on the cheap uh, that you were going to commit to for a significant period of time. And they did that with Monty Williams and it's paying off, you know, and like any investment uh, it's all about both short-term and long-term gains uh, here. And they committed to Monty and you got those early short-term gains in those first 11 games, you had some ups and downs, uh, in the remainder of, of the season before the stoppage, but now you're seeing what it means to have a culture, what it means to have a coach that can put together plans and rotations that, uh, that make sense in the long run. And it's coming together. That's why they're five and oh in the bubble. Halftime adjustments have been huge. Uh, and you can tell that, especially in the game against the heat when they went in at halftime, Monty is saying something to these guys because they come back out refocused. Uh, even if they've had a sloppy first half, the second half they come out and they're locked in and that's huge. The third quarters were a problem for this team uh, earlier in the year. And now they're coming out and they come out locked in in most cases uh, in the third quarter and in, in these bubble games. So I give Monty all the credit in the world for what's going on. Uh, I, I like that he's experimenting with three guard lineups and trying to figure out uh, what, how far can he stretch what he's getting out of Javon Carter and campaign and, and understanding that and trying to figure out who he can play Ricky with in addition to the starters and, and trying to figure out how to stretch book as well. So all the credit in the world goes to Monty for the five no start. And a lot of people in the chat right now talking about Dario and mm -hmm. how much better he's playing. I think we need to give some credit as well to, to Monty Williams for finding how to maximize his potential as a player. Darth saying uh, Dario is a <laughs> poor, poor, poor man's magic Johnson from <laughs> Dario to playing center. Uh, yeah, homeless man's Magic Johnson, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know how broke can you get. You, you'd have to be immensely broke. But I see what the uh, the overarching point is that Dario is doing uh, whatever he's asked and whatever he can to help this team. And uh, I said it in previous episodes, but I hope he sticks around because I think he's the kind of guy you need on that bench unit that can uh, can do the little things, do a little bit of of everything and, and maybe he wasn't the answer at starting power forward, but I certainly think he's the answer uh, as a sixth man that can be a jack of all trades for you. Yeah. I mean, he can, he can start at center. He can play backup center. He can uh, play point center if it, and all that I did. I have a question though, that I want to ask you guys that I was thinking of during the game. So Frank Kaminsky, uh, <laughs> not been great during the bubble. Uh, let's not mince words with that. However, I was thinking 
you know, Baines is there. Baines is healthy. And we've had these discussions on the show that the Suns don't want to try and reintegrate him right now with how well everything is going. That being said, Frank Kaminsky comes in. He plays three minutes in the first half. He doesn't play at all in the second half. Uh, he's 0 for 3, although one of those should have really gone in. And that was poor luck on, oh, on man, yeah. his point. But if Frank Kaminsky is going to play this poor, why not just trade those three minutes for Aaron Baines. I mean, Aaron Baines can't play any worse. It seems like the upside for getting Aaron Baines going, especially if the Suns are actually going to make a run and be able to get into that 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 bubble game, um, that that playing game. Excuse me. That they might as well try Aaron Baines. What are they going to lose? Well, I think it depends on Aaron Baines' conditioning. If he's just not physically ready to play, I mean. It, then you can't just throw him out there. It could but be the, worse the, than Frank. Could it? Yes, it could. <laughs> he might not make it down the other end of the court, and then you're playing four on five. So, yes, it could It could be worse than metaphorically playing four on five. You literally could play four on five if his conditioning isn't, uh, isn't where it needs to be. I mean, how bad could his conditioning be for it to be worse than how Frank is playing right now? He said he didn't <laughs> get out of bed for like a, a, over a week. Like he didn't, he literally didn't see two days in a row. He slept so long. I mean, it, coronavirus took a massive toll on him. So physically, I don't know where he is. Like if he get on a bike, dude. <laughs> <laughs> easy for you to say, Mr. No, uh, Mr. Said everything. Steve, oh, Steve in the chat reminded us that uh yes, he uh he is uh, listed on our on the Suns injury report with a knee bruise. So um it could be that he tried too much coming back and now his knee's hurting. It happens. Uh yeah, I don't know if you guys have ever played pickup after three months not playing at all, you end up with some kind of pain. Um, and it could be that that's what happened to Aaron Baines. I know he's a world-class athlete and all that stuff, but it can happen. So, uh, yeah, so it's assuming Aaron Baines no longer feels knee pain, I would rather him than Frank out there right now. For sure, he can't do any worse. Frank's just standing there getting blown by like a turnstile um, on defense. He's not rebounding well. He can't make his shots. How much worse could Aaron Baines be? But if its knee is still hurting, his knee is still hurting. You can't do anything about it. What about what about Shaq in those three minutes? Should they try Shaq? No. Why are we trying? Oh, to I thought you were talking about Shaq for a second. I'm like, <laughs> I'd put Shaq out there for a few minutes. He used to play for the I'm Suns. Just, I'm uh, wondering about Sign the... him to a 10-day. Get him in there. He's probably been in some kind of quarantine for a while. Yeah, get Shaquille O'Neal out there, man. He'd be better than Frank for three minutes right now. Look. I'm not messing with the secret sauce. I don't care if Frank's three minutes suck. They're five and oh. So like, that's true. That's true. Like, and Frank what? is a what? What? Oh, you didn't put it in the show notes. I don't think Tim, but I saw it on online. Frank is a plus 22 in his minutes. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. Because I feel like he's, he's been playing he's with been all a, the right guys. But I thought he's been a net. He's been a negative on off every single game. I, I, I'm sorry. I forget the person who put it up on Twitter. He's a real big Suns uh, follow on Twitter. But yeah, Frank is a big plus <laughs> because of who he's playing with. Hilarious. All let's right, not, guys. So let's not try to jam Check Diallo into our five and zero Phoenix Suns, please. If, oh God! If Baines no. is back and healthy, you know fine. Give him Sheck, the minutes. <laughs> I think Sheck would be an example of someone being worse than Frank. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I. If Frank. I, okay. So the let's, idea let's go with of best Sheck. Is better than worst Frank. Yes. Oh, the on. likelihood is very small. 
Eric in the chat says he'd rather see Ty Jerome. Oh, Tyler no, 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 Eric, no, I have no, the no. ability to Sorry, mute your, <laughs> your you in, in the chat. Please don't make me use it for the first time because that is not the truth. No. Nobody wants to see Ty Jerome. Even Ty Jerome goes, you know what? I saw enough I'm of good. me. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I saw enough of me. En enough Jerome. <laughs> That's what it says on the back of his jersey right now. And we he all agree. a minute. Since we saw the enough Jerome. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're all fine with that. But let's go ahead and let's do what's in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? There we go. You, you, you got to give me the heads up. I got to cue things up here. I, I, it, that's the whole reason we have these show notes. I have an entire show rundown that go in order <laughs> what we're going to talk about. show notes, Tim. Excellent show Dave bounces around like a, like a kid that forgot his Adderall. I'm a pinball, absolutely, about, so. man. You get me talking I, about the Suns. I am on Adderall. I literally spend hours on these show notes getting them the getting them together and yes do i do hours and and greg, I mean, we gotta greg talk about in, that man. greg comes in and he doesn't even look at it he's not I mean, even look we I'm really have document. to talk about it if you spend hours on 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 doing these show notes oh right well you know what it takes time uh so listen um the let's go over where the suns compared to the miami heat they did out rebound the miami heat 52 to 37 uh the Suns 27 assists compared to the Miami Heat's 28. Suns had five steals compared to the Miami Heat's six. Suns had four blocks compared to the Miami Heat's nine. 11 turnovers compared to 12. Leading scores on or leading Suns players on the team. Devin Booker led the team in scoring 35 points. DeAndre Ayton led the team in rebounding with 12 rebounds. Assists went to Ricky Rubio and leading minutes was Mikhail Bridges. The best on off numbers for the team. Javon Carter was a positive 11. Frank Kaminsky was a negative third. I think we all saw that kind of play out in real time. And of course, leading scorers for the Heat, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero with both 25 points respectively. Hey, I want to give a quick shout out to Tyler Hero. That dude is young Devin Booker. Hey, so good. He, he, can, he can play, he can pass, he can shoot. He can do, he can get to where he wants to go on the court. He's going to be an extremely good player in this league. So shout out to Miami for grabbing him. He 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 fell victim of um, probably the same similar thing that Devin Booker did in one way. Uh, and, well, probably multiple ways in the, in the draft. He has uh, arms that are not quite as long as he is tall. Like he, I think he's only got like a six, four wingspan, six, five height. Um, so people, you know, God, you know, the draft is the king of, of downgrading people based on their arm length. And then uh, he also uh, did the same thing Devin Booker did is play a very small role on a Kentucky team. So good for the heat taking Tyler hero. He is going to be somebody's hero. And right now Devin Booker is his hero and we're all better for it. I, I love that kid. Uh, big future for him. How about how about being a guy that plays professional basketball, being named Duncan Robinson, right? And he, <laughs> and, uh, he find, uh, you know what? Somebody said early. I know that was pretty awesome. Um, he uh, somebody said early. One of the announcers on the TV said early in the season, eighty-eight percent of Duncan Robinson's shots this year have been uh, three pointers. 
And actually, if I look at the box score, 12 out of 15 shots were threes for Duncan Robinson. Um, but I remember in the first quarter, he went to the rim every time. So maybe I only saw the only three times he went to the rim. But that dude is a three-point hunter, and they did a really good job finding him. They they do some really good shot, um, uh, plays where they, uh, Bam or somebody sets really high picks or Kelly Olenek or someone really high picks uh, to get him to curl around and take open threes. Man, he is a killer. So props to Miami for having really, really good players on that team that they found out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, but did we ever, uh, some people thought, Oh, uh, you know, trading that Miami pick that, that they acquired, that's nuts. They're going to be a bad team. Look, they're rebuilding. You gotta, I never will bet against Pat Riley and finding guys uh, like Tyler Hero and then finding a way to to add guys like Jimmy Butler to a roster. Like this is this is not a guy that uh, that just sits on his laurels and doesn't find ways to to find players. They put no, together no a hell of a squad uh, there in Miami, and you know I'm not gonna complain that that Jimmy Butler wasn't in that game yesterday. Uh, it helped the Suns, but it would have been nice if if you could say you're 5-0 and and you beat the full-strength uh, Dallas Mavericks, the full-strength uh, Clippers, and the full-strength Heat. That would be even more impressive than what we're sitting at here. The and Suns it's already pretty strength. damn impressive. Well, no, it's that's okay. true. Yeah. They're not at full strength. They're missing two uh, big-time starters for their team this year. So I don't want to hear any of this crap about not playing full-strength team. Nobody's playing full-strength teams right That's now. That's true. So no, yeah, the but, Suns are, no, don't take anything away from it. I, I agree. I'm just saying, like, it would be – it's that one extra step of, well, holy crap. No, they, I'm, they I'm a be, big fan of playing whole-strength teams, but I'm not going to take anything away from the Suns for this. 5-0 and oh is the, – they're the only team with more than three wins, I think, right now. Yeah, I mean they're, um, okay. they're amazing right now. There's going no, back there's to no Tyler's hero for just a second because you know it's so fun that Devin Booker can score 35 points, and while he's going 0 for 7 on threes, he still made 58 percent of his shots from the floor because he made 15 out of 19 shots inside the arc. Devin Booker had an incredible game. Um, so Tyler he, Tyler's hero, Devin Booker. This is what he said after the game. Remember we talked early in the show about Draymond saying, get my man out of Phoenix. Here's Devin Booker. First of all, he didn't respond to anything around the Draymond Green stuff. But what he said was, is since I've been in Phoenix, this is after they beat the Heat to go 5-0. and Since I've been in Phoenix, we haven't had the win success. But the support has been there. This is what we owe to the fans. We owe it to the organization. It's been a long time for us. That sounds like a dude who wants to leave. No, sounds like a dude who's Dame Lillard who doesn't go anywhere and snipes on Instagram at Paul George for chasing rings. Yeah, a book. Uh, I'm sick of this. Book's committed, right? He's locked in long term. They're winning. He's getting what he wants. I mean, and hopefully it continues into next year. Like it, it takes time to build something sometimes. And that's just what's going on here in Phoenix. And I think Devin Booker's smart enough to look at it and go, okay, now we're putting the pieces around here. We're on the verge of something special. I'm not mm-hmm. just going to leave to go be somebody's sidekick. I actually want to be the man and finish what I started here. And you can tell that that's his attitude. And that quote uh, reaffirmed that to me is 
he understands what's on the line here. He understands the angst of fans after watching bad basketball for as long as they have. He understands the tradition of this franchise and what it would mean if he found a way to return them to glory. I mean, he would be a god in this town if he finds a way to bring them back to prominence. I mean, he already is a beloved uh, on the level of a very few athletes in this town uh, and he would he would up that. I think he'd become uh, right up there next to Nash and a step above Barkley if he finds a way to uh, to bring this team back to prominence and and plays uh, at least a majority of his here of his career here. Uh, there's and I think that's what he wants. I think he mm-hmm. wants that kind of Kobe He wants to win status. Yeah. In three years, they're still not winning. I, I was talking on another podcast the other day. Look, when when would Devin Booker give up? It might be like an Anthony Davis thing, where after three years on his on his five year extension, then maybe he'll second guess. Hey, if can't, I can't even get out of the second round or get into the second round, um, the Suns have to be a playoff team. They have to get somewhere in the playoffs. The reason Dame Lillard, uh, one of the reasons Dame Lillard has done so well um, and and been so happy in Portland is they're always in the playoffs and their second round. They made a conference finals once. That's a team you stick with. The Suns do have to win games. I'm not saying that the Suns, uh, that Devin Booker owes it to us to stay forever. He doesn't. He can go where he needs to go, but he wants to win here, and the Suns have to want, have to be able to win here. Um, and James Jones, as as long as this core, you know, builds, James Jones is putting the right players around him to win games like Saturday night. They won. They won that game on hustle and effort, and it and it worked. Uh, so let's go into some player breakdowns, but before we do, we have a private supporters Facebook group that I am going to leave as a comment here, um, on the YouTube channel, as well as within the YouTube chat. But Greg, while I'm doing that, why don't you take a moment, tell people how they they can support the show, et cetera, et cetera. Haven't you always wanted to be a flaming baller? Isn't that (laughs) what your goal in life has been well now we here at the sun solar panel give you the opportunity to officially become a flaming baller either join the facebook uh, or excuse me join the youtube uh, supporter group by clicking the join button on this video or on the youtube page or support us via anchor and if you do that you're going to get access to the illustrious the amazing the fantastic private flaming ballers facebook group and what does that mean we don't know because we just started it and we're still trying to admit people who have actually paid into that but once we figured out oh it'll be spectacular and you'll get to be a part of it plus if you join via youtube you'll get uh, an opportunity to potentially see some exclusive content i think i'm actually going to put up for our subscribers a conversation i did with the man who created the sun's uh sunburst jersey from the 90s a nice hour-long conversation he also created the logo from back then the the sunburst uh, logo and the 95 nba all-star game uniforms and branding so i think that'll be an exclusive to our followers as well so or to our supporters as well so become a flaming baller you don't need ointment you'll just have fun 
<laughs> Raymond, Raymond Gonzalez says, is that like the champagne room? Uh, it could be. It could be. It depends on how much you donate to the show. Uh, we could probably work that out, though. For, for the right amount, Tim will get naked for you, is what he's saying. Uh, <laughs> welcome. Brother, thank you, you for the new donation. I feel like he's been a supporter for a while now. Also, so if you're listening on the podcast right now and you open up the show notes below, you hit the support the show button. Um, that'll have all the information in there as well. So we're kind of coming up on time. Just real quickly, let's run through some of the player performances in this game. Uh, Dave wanted to skip DeAndre Ayton, and you know what? Fuck it, we're kind of short on time. Let's skip DeAndre Ayton on this one, right? <laughs> Devin Booker, let's go to his game. 35 <laughs> points. It, he seemed like this was a really tough game, I thought, for the Suns. Defensively, I, I thought the Heat were great. Going into this game, I always thought the Heat were never going to be a good matchup for the Suns. Just the way they play, the way they play physically, uh, their ability to switch basically everything. Uh, Devin Booker basically carried the team until Javon Carter got to take over. He didn't score in the fourth, but he made a lot of winning plays. Uh, your guys' thoughts on Devin Booker's performance against the Miami Heat? I thought he was excellent. Um, look, the dude did everything it took to keep the Suns in the game in the first half. I think he had 21 at halftime. Um, and he had 31 at the end of three. And then he only had the four points in the fourth, but he had big impactful um points because um those uh i think those two baskets made were just inside the three-point line they were very important baskets any of that huge assist to mikhail bridges to get the suns up again by five in that final minute uh devin booker is a winner i thought he had an a game espo i is are we really gonna say that devin booker had anything other than an A game. I mean, he's, no, he's at an A bubble. Like, there's nothing more that you could expect out of Devin Booker. Sure, would you like him to hit uh, one of those seven threes he takes? Yeah, of course you would. But when he comes out and goes 15 of 19 otherwise and leads this team uh, down the stretch, doesn't get in foul trouble in this game like the previous game, I, like, look, I'm, I, I, you can't praise Devin Booker enough. We could sit here and nitpick. I mean, we could give him the yeah. DeAndre Ayton treatment, but I just don't see why uh, that that's even worth going down that route. He is the he is the reason uh, that this team has the opportunity to to make this playing game and potentially wind up in the playoffs is because of Devin Booker and his consistency with this team. Uh, hey man, he's Bubble Boy twenty twenty. I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead, Tim. I, I apologize. Uh, thanks to Nathaniel Jackson, who just became a supporter of the show as well, to the Kelly Oubre level. You guys, make sure you do join that private Facebook group. Uh, we really do appreciate you. Um, I apologize, Dave. I cut you off. No, I was just going to say, uh, we got to name Devin Booker Bubble Boy 2020. I mean, I guess you don't need the 2020 to call the bubble unless they do it again next season. No problem. Uh, but that dude, he he should be the MVP of the bubble. And it's a real shame you're not allowed to base all all NBA voting on what players do in the bubble and the most important games for a lot of these teams uh, of the season. But that's what the NBA decided. So if he doesn't make all NBA, it's because they weren't allowed to vote on bubble play. They got to uh, do an all bubble team, right? I mean, it, it feels like they're going to need to need to do something to recognize yeah. this this bizarre eight game uh, thing that they've created. Also, I think this is proof that they're going to wind up going to that in season mid season tournament that uh, uh, that the commissioner wants as well. Because I think this kind of setup where there's just this crazy. Anything can happen in these eight games uh, has really piqued the interest of, of the basketball fans. 
One little thing to joke about with Devin Booker, and and I do honestly think it's a joke. It's not a serious criticism at all. But you guys are well aware that he's never exceeded a six threes game. He's never hit seven. He's never hit eight or anything like that. Even Aaron Baines hit nine threes in a game this year. First, get you guys, Tim and Greg, give me a guess how many times Devin Booker has had six threes in a game in his career. Three. 15. Okay, well, it's somewhere in between you two was weird-ass numbers. Um, look on Bright Side of the Sun at noon. We've got that going up. I think I scheduled it for noon. A true analysis done by our um, AZ Sports Zone um, guy who, who supports us, uh, who writes for us on Bright Side of the Sun. A full analysis of, of how many total game minutes Devin Booker's been stuck on six threes and how many games in which he's done it. It's somewhere between the wild ass third three and 15 that these guys threw out there. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's quite amazing. And it's just one of those funny little anecdotes. Booker's been pretty incredible it, in this. Is, so it, we, is it ironic that he, and he has seven because he hasn't been able to hit seven threes. So, but he's done six, seven times. It's not seven. It's not that many times. Oh, okay. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you'll, you'll look at the article. You'll be surprised how many times and how many total game minutes Devin Booker spent stuck on six threes. I mean, Devin Booker, uh, yes, he won the three point contest, but uh, us as Suns fans know that the, uh, contrary to what the, the, uh, casual fan the NBA might think of Devin Booker, he is not just, or even really his strength is not three point shooting. Dude went 15 of 19 inside the arc on Saturday night and you watched it all. He, he, he got to the rim anytime he wanted to. And he, uh, make, makes those mid Rangers, uh, very Kobe-esque. Yep. He's got a really nice post-up game too, when he gets a smaller guard on him. Um, so we, is there any other player you want to touch on before we kind of go into the tweet of the game? Well, we did, well we did Javon, um, and we did Devin Cam Johnson. I, I just want to shout out to him. He is the young, he's the, fastest Phoenix Sun ever to get to a hundred threes made in his son's career by almost 20 games over West person. The Suns have a a long list of three point shooters in their history. And Cam Johnson's the fastest to get to a hundred threes in a season. He did it in only 53 or 54 games. Unbelievable that dude. And you know how many point uh, rebounds he's averaging in the bubble over seven. Um, So he is basically our new um, Channing Fry. Let's not Let's not be surprised. I mean, I get that they've had a lot of great three-point shooters, but Cam Johnson is playing in uh, in an era where shooting threes is the preference rather than uh, than the exception. So it does not surprise me that Cam's the the fastest to a hundred with the the high percentage that he hits and the fact that he's in a high volume shooting uh, time. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me necessarily. Greg, do we have a tweet of the game lined up? Sure, I, I I didn't, but I just found one when you said it again because, <laughs> I, like, I don't read the show notes. You don't read the private chat that said skip the tweet of the game. So we've got a tweet of the game. Look at that. Uh, look at that. I did it's see it part now. owner of the Phoenix Suns, Larry Fitzgerald, saying five in a row, keep pushing for greatness, uh, Suns. And uh, 
if there's ever a guy that you want to patent your your play after and your dedication to a team after, it's Larry Fitzgerald. So hopefully the Devin Booker is the Larry Fitzgerald of the Phoenix Suns, and good to know that Larry uh, isn't just putting his money into this team. He's watching them in the bubble as well. And the Suns finally got a primetime game, even though it was only on League Pass instead of like one of the 82 TNT games that played yesterday. But um, national um, national folks are finally starting to watch the Suns. And uh, we all know they're playing their best basketball of the year right now. And I loved seeing just a time my timeline filled up with national guys, general NBA guys tweeting, this is the most fun they've had watching basketball in years. And the Phoenix Suns are their favorite team of the bubble. So good on the Suns for playing right at the right time. So let's talk about um, where the Suns sit right now on that yeah. race for the play-in game or the eighth seed. And of course, we are recording this episode as of Sunday morning on the 9th. By the time you're listening to it or watching it later, things could have changed. But regardless, the Grizzlies are 33 and 37. The Trailblazers are 32 and 39. The Suns are 31 and 39. And just below them is the San Antonio Spurs at 30 and 38. Memphis wins a tiebreaker with the Suns. The Suns mm-hmm. win a tiebreaker with Portland and the Spurs win a tiebreaker versus the Suns. So the Suns yeah. need uh, to, uh, to go eight and oh, basically. Uh, and for the Blazers to lose once, if I'm doing my, my math, correctly if the blazers right. lose twice the suns can lose two games and still come out above them yeah i mean seven and one the, the bottom line is seven and one is the, is the minimum you have to go and you're going to need help at, at that point uh, right the suns, no, right the suns need exactly suns need one more win than the blazers in these last three games so if the blazers go two and one suns have to go three and oh blazers go one and two suns have to go two and one and the suns will be in on that ninth spot the Grizzlies are guaranteed to stay in the eight or nine slot if they just win one more game. That's all they got to win is one more game. Today, Memphis plays Toronto. Um, uh, hopefully, Toronto will just run all over them because Toronto got trucked on Friday, uh, inexplicably trucked on Friday. I don't even understand what happened on Friday for Toronto. I don't even think the opponents for these these final games really matters because so many teams <laughs> are trying to rest their best players. But I trust Toronto to play like the Heat did on Saturday. Well, I always trust Toronto to play hard, and I don't know what they were doing on Friday. So maybe they'll make up for it today and beat Memphis. Um, San Antonio, we got them in our in our back. We got we got San Antonio where Devin Booker gets his defender on every one of his mid-range shots on his back hip. You just got to keep hold San Antonio off. The Suns have control over that one. It's just the Blazers. The Suns have to have one more win than the Blazers these last three games. And their sons are in. That's really the key. One more win than the Blazers. If Blazers go three and zero, Suns can't help themselves. If the Blazers go two and one, the Suns can make the playoffs or the play-in games. And um, as the ninth seed, then they would have to beat um, the eighth seed twice. Yeah, look, you got a scoreboard watch right now. You need Portland to lose as, as much as as possible. I I would not worry about Memphis at this point, uh, and I wouldn't worry about anybody behind the Suns. It comes down to purely what yeah. does Portland do and what can the Suns pull off, and they, they that's it's as simple as that. Uh, just uh, you got to play your game. They got to keep playing the way they are, and if it takes eight and oh, uh, so be it. That's what you're gonna have to figure out how to do. And like we talked about earlier in the show, it is sad that they could 
legitimately go 8-0 and, and still miss the play-in game. But that's what happens when you put yourself in a hole like they did and that you have to make a, a historic run to even be in the conversation. But even if they finish 8-0 and don't make it, it does not diminish what they've been able to accomplish in this bubble it's pretty amazing so far with three games left to go so let's enjoy the ride and let's root as hard as we can against portland in every game that they play and so coming yeah. up on the schedule the suns have okc then philly on a back-to-back and of course ending it with the mavs out of those three games right there and yes we don't know we don't know what players those teams are going to play and what players they aren't but the only one that i'm really it, even remotely worried about uh, is that OKC game. It just, it. I don't know if it's knowing how the games went when they played them earlier in the season, when you had Gallo that just kind of tore up the Suns yeah. and NCP3 was doing his thing. Uh, Steven Adams is a tough guard. It, it that it's not a great matchup for the Suns. So if they can win that OKC game, um, I'll be incredibly impressed. And you know what? Fuck it. I've actually been incredibly impressed this entire time. They beat every other team. Why the hell wouldn't they? But it is a tough matchup. Uh, I actually think the Mavs scare me the most. And I know that they just beat the Mavs, but uh, the Mavs were leading uh, in most of that game. Doncic, uh, the, he who shall not be named is uh is on a tear if they actually play their starters and the suns need a win in that game that's the one that scares me most uh, i think that at that point uh you'll know what's on the line going into that final game it could be a national tv game because the all those games on that final day are <clears throat> to be determined on when they're going to play and, and what channels they'll be on so there could be just an insane amount of pressure uh in that game and there could be an insane amount of eyeballs on it too because if they need a win to to force the play-in game and knock uh knock the portland trailblazers out mavericks scare me it's that's that's gonna that's gonna be the one that scares me in the rest of this well the thing is here's okay so all these okay sorry i gotta get my thoughts together Friday scared me in the bubble in that all those games went lopsided, lopsided on Friday because teams are already resting players for that playoffs. Um, and uh, that, there was a lot of lopsided games on Friday. Then Saturday, all of a sudden, they got super competitive again. So I don't know what to predict, but I do think that we will see some unexpected um, did not play because of rest coming up. And that could help or hurt the Suns. We don't know. Um, but uh, Philadelphia, they can't afford Joel Embiid to be um, injured or tired going into the playoffs because now they're without Ben Simmons. Um, so in, in the Mavs, uh, they're locked on all these playoff teams. The Suns are playing are locked into where they are. They, they can't really, and, and their home field home court doesn't really matter anymore. So now it's just a time of just getting into the playoffs to play. So we'll see. It's going to be a wild week. The Suns just have to go three and O and hope Portland doesn't go three and O that's it. That's the yeah. bottom line. I mean, they've got to do what they've been doing. Just it's cliche as hell, but take one game at a time and just get a, stack another win on top of the five you already have and move on to the next opponent. Does not matter who you play; uh, they're all tough because in the NBA, it's it's you know, with the exception of a handful of teams, everybody uh, is pretty good. So they just have to go out and, and play within themselves. At this point. I think they truly believe 
in who they are and what they're doing. And they just have to go and continue to, uh, to play with the dedication and the commitment that they have in the first five games. And it should play out all right for them. It's just going to take Portland's opponents stepping up and finding a way to win against them to open the door for them. And it's unfortunate that they don't control destiny, but it is where they are. And, uh, and this is going to be an exciting three games. We have asked for meaningful basketball at the end of a season for a very long time. And we have it right now. And Devin Booker seems like a man on a complete mission to attempt to uh, do what nobody has been able to do in the last decade with the sun. So, Buckle in and, and let's enjoy the next three games because uh, it's it's going to be something we haven't seen in a while. So on that note, for Craig Esposito, Dave King, and of course myself, Tim Tompkins, thank you everybody so much for giving us an hour out of your day to join us either here live on YouTube or on the podcast as well. Um, and we will be back again very soon. We don't have our schedule yet for if we are going to be doing post games this coming week, but you know we'll see and we'll let you guys know. Thanks so much for tuning in.